0: Author of Hidden History, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics, 1776 to 1963, and Survival of the Richest, Donald Jeffries separates the real from the unreal. Fact from fiction. Fact from fiction. Reverse engineering our manufactured reality. And now, from just outside the swamp-infested Washington, D.C., this is I Protest with Donald Jeffries.
1: And hello, everyone! Happy Friday! We're here as we are every week at this time. Donald Jeffries here. You're listening to I Protest. We have our guest today is uh, Scott Shara. He has gone through some of the things that other guests have gone through here. Uh, he's the host of Deprogramming with Grace's Dad. He's the president of Our Amazing Grace's Light Shines On, a nonprofit established to provide people with disabilities opportunities to share their talents in their communities. Uh, Scott, and he, he went through quite a story with his daughter, Grace, and uh, um, yeah, I was moved by it and would like to have him tell it on the, the show. Scott, thanks for coming on.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. So I, first of all, I can relate to you on a personal level uh, with Grace. Um, uh, I had a, a niece born with Down syndrome when I was uh, about 11, something like that. I'm not that much older than her. And uh, so I learned that word very early on when it wasn't, you know, this was uh, like 1968, I think she was born. And uh, I saw how people like her were treated, had a huge impact on me as a kid. And uh, later on, I ended up uh, volunteering at the Special Olympics and uh, things like that. But I was moved by that, you know, and and so I can understand how it must feel to have a child, because I know how much it motivated me as an uncle. So talk a little bit about, first of all, about Grace and, how you came to uh, to do what you're doing now? What happened to her and and all that?
0: Well, you're right. I mean, anybody that has a Down syndrome person in their life is going to be moved. If you're not moved, you're not human. You know, Grace. Grace changed everything for us. Grace was born September 22nd in 2002. Um, we named her Grace after God's grace. She was she was born after God's grace. My wife and I we were 39 years old and we decided to let God lead in the baby department. And then he chose to bless us with a little stinker and we named her grace after God's grace. And my gosh, she changed everything. Uh, And she's, she's changing it today. Even, even more now after she died. Um, And you know, I'm using died right now. You'll see later on as I explain the story that I believe she was murdered. But you know, the little, little stinker, you know, all the way back, You know, from from shortly after she was born, we could tell she was special. And, um, you know, she was special in a lot of different ways. We she was super high functioning, I think, partially because God made her that way, partially because we never vaccinated her with anything. And then partially because my wife did a fantastic job homeschooling her so Grace could read and write. Uh, Grace could, she played violin at my daughter, Jessica's wedding, think through that. I mean, I don't think I could play violin if I could practice (laughs) 10,000 years. I mean,
1: yeah,
0: I don't think I could ever do it. Uh, she knew every state and capital, you know, it's, it's beyond. uh, Yeah. She just was so smart. I, I, she went deer hunting with me. I taught her how to drive. Uh, and Mm -hmm. the thing that, you know, I miss a lot of things about grace. Of course I miss her hugs. On a daily basis. She she's the only person I know that loved me unconditionally. Yes. But you know, from a from a regular you know, from a regular basis, I miss her sense of humor because I was able to teach her my stupid sense of humor. And you know, I was glad she adopted it. I have a literal sense of humor. So I see things and you know, I just look at them literally, and you see the fun. You see the fun in looking at things literally. And she saw that and and she adapted it. She adapted it for the situation. So I'll just give you a couple stories about Grace to give you a perspective. One is I taught her how to drive the first time when she was 13 years old. Her and I had gone over to our hunting property. We got there. I had At this point, I had a big three-quarter ton Dodge diesel pickup. Somebody's thing was a monster. And we got there, and she said, Dad, can I drive? I said, you bet. So then got her in the seat, and and she uh, she did a great job. Uh, you know, the first time she hit the brakes, I went through the wind, almost went through the windshield. But after that, I mean, she, she really was obedient. She just, she did a great job. So then, I mean, you, you're, you're a dad, you have kids. Yes, I I mean, you know, if you process after you teach a 13 year old how to drive and then you process as a dad, okay, what did I just do? Right. Mm -hmm. So now you realize, okay, so now we have an hour drive home and I spent the entire drive home saying, Grace, you can't tell mom. Right. So <laughs> we yeah. weren't inside the house. I mean, we're inside the house less than one second. And she says, Mom, Dad, let me drive. <laughs> so She got that. She saw yeah. the humor in that. She knew yeah. she was going to get Dad in trouble. Yeah, And, you know, that's what I mean by her. She just had that that spirit about her. It was just it was fun. She just made life fun.
1: Well, the love the love for you have for her obviously shines through, and we, we all as uh, parents uh, love our kids, and it seems like maybe you had an easier time teaching her than I did. At least my daughter, my son, maybe, but <laughs> uh, my daughter wasn't real easy to teach to drive. Uh, she was very reluctant. But um, so uh, so you have this, you know, special child you call her, and I think that's why there's there's there's. Uh, it's no mistake that when the Kennedy family, which I think one of their great unheralded accomplishments was really making people look at, at uh, human beings like Grace and my niece Denise in a completely different light, creating the Special Olympics and saying they're special. And uh, I don't know if Grace was ever in the Special Olympics, but you know my niece was for a long time. And I, I just remember because I'm a competitive guy and I coach sports, played sports, coach sports. And I just remember it was amazing to me the, the joy that you see and every, they were all competing. They all wanted to win really bad, but the way, the, I don't know if the special Olympics is set up where what you get one gold or I don't, I forget if they gave you blue ribbons or like a gold medal ribbon, uh, one silver medal ribbon and everybody else gets a bronze. So the last place, but, but the, the person that came in last and everything is just as fired up and just as happy. They're running around giving every, giving, and I was giving so many high fives and hugs and, it was really just it made you feel great you know seeing that because you obviously in, in real sports you don't see that everybody the losers are right. mad and they're you know they're crying so i i don't know if, if you went through that with her but it's they are special that's not just hyperbole that that you know it really is they're they're different and and when you said she came into the house and had to tell i think that's i found that about my niece i don't think they have um a way to deceive, even something like that. I don't think they know how to do that. So I think right. they, just, they just they just tell the truth. You know, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. No,
0: that's that's right on. We we actually never participated in Special Olympics, um, and it's simply because we we saw Grace as um, it, it's strange. I, I look at it as God gave us um, blinders relative to her disability. So the only time I could really see her down syndrome is when she was with so-called regular kids. Yeah. Otherwise, I um I really never saw it. So we just had her do everything. Fantastic. So we didn't we didn't purposely put her in in things like Special Olympics, not because it was bad. It just we just never saw it that way. We just did right. everything. Um, you know, homeschooling allowed us to see things through a different light. So like she was in the regular Girl Scout unit she was in Mm -hmm. the regular softball and we saw it as a chance for other people to see a blessing so when she was in the girls' softball of course you know she wasn't as talented physically as the rest of the girls but you know what would happen when she would get a hit you know everybody just cheered when she made it to first base and you know it was it was neat it was uh, you know she's you know ultimately she's the the motivation behind why I'm here today, you know, Grace would not have died, of course, you and I would have never met. It yes. just is it's the way it is, you know, but you know, she just transitioning to what happened. So Grace's last day on earth was October 13th of 2021. That the setup for that last day was starting on October 1st, we were going to go to a wedding and the one of my my wife's um, um, nieces was getting married, and Grace had a cold. So we thought, well, we just in case she has COVID, we better test her. So my <sighs> wife went into town, got a home test. And you know, if we would have never got that test, Grace would be alive today. Yes,
1: yes, yes. But yes. we did.
0: You know, so I partially share this story so that people don't make the same mistakes. You know, we want to physically save lives. We want to spiritually save life. So, I mean, I, it's created a responsibility. But, you know, I want to shine the light on the mistakes we made so people don't fall into the same trap. And, you know, so even though supposedly COVID is over, you know, it's the sequence of events that happen. This has nothing to do with COVID. Grace's death was not because of COVID. It was right. because of a lot larger agenda. And that's what I've learned since she she's died. I was not awake to any of this. So I'm just a dad. Um, I'm, uh, have a healthy distrust for the government. I was a conservative, I own a business that was my life. You know, we were just going on with life, you know, a lot of things we dislike, but you know, we just, you know, we just had our life and now I'm awake. So what does that mean? I don't know that anybody can be totally awake, but I'm in process of waking up, I should say. And so I know there's an agenda. I know Grace was a casualty of that war against us. So our yes. government is at war against us. Yes, that's where I'm at today. You know, so it's it's a complete change. So now when I tell you about these details, partially it's so that you don't make the same mistake, and partially it's so that you um, understand the details so you can wake up yourself. So the so we tested her; it test positive. So we had the entire FLCCC protocol at home, uh, which included a nebulizer, a pulse ox, ivermectin, vitamins. So mm. we got we got her on everything. And October sixth, that morning, her oxygen saturation would not rise above. Yeah, it was it was hovering at eighty eight percent, and. You know the protocol at that time said that if your oxygen saturation is below ninety four percent, admit yourself to the hospital. Yeah. So ultimately, we did that. You know, and so that's another critical mistake. And the mistake is not yeah. FLCCC. The mistake is relying on so one man system is replaced by another man system. And what was happening is that we had we had bought into at least a portion of the propaganda, and we were fearful. And so we had bought this Pulse Ox, which that was another mistake. We had no business buying a Pulse Ox because we had no baseline. You know, Grace had been sick. You know, let's say that she was sick a half a dozen times before in her life. If we would have owned a Pulse Ox and measured what that number was, we wouldn't have been fearful. So we had no baseline. All of a sudden we're measuring. And I've learned, of course, now subsequently that when you get sick, your oxygen saturation drops. So we would have just considered that normal. So ultimately, we checked Grace into the hospital. Um, I was with her from October 6th until the 10th. On the 10th, I was taken out by an armed guard. And then we had Mm -hmm. to hire an attorney to get my daughter in as a replacement advocate. And her name is Jessica. My wife, Cindy, couldn't be there at the time because she had COVID. She was pretty bad off. Anyway, as things progressed, we learned you know some of the things i'm sharing are fit in after the fact because we have the records and so we fit in we piece things together so we learned that on october 9th remember i was taken out on the 10th on october 9th they started a sedation med called presidex on grace and that sedation med has a package insert all meds have a package insert that that basically give the pros cons risks and limitations so the limitation on that med says to not use it for more than 24 hours. If you do, it causes acute respiratory failure. And on Grace's death certificate, the first cause of death is acute respiratory failure. So what's the reason? They use Presidex on Grace for five days. On the last, her last day, October 13th, she was already on it four days. While the doctor was on a phone call with us that morning, they, they increased the dose of Presidex to the maximum allowable dose. 14 times the dose they started her on four and a half days earlier. The doctor is on the phone call basically lying to us, even though we knew Grace had a good day yesterday because my daughter Jessica was there. That was in spite of being sedated. But he says he he started framing Grace's situation saying uh, he, the purpose of the call that morning was to convince us That if a ventilator became necessary, he wanted our pre approval. Mm -hmm. And we said no for the fifth time. They kept pressuring us for for that pre authorization. When we said no, he immediately switched gears and said, Grace had such a good day. Um, We should um, work on nutrition. Well, like I said, with that, while we're on that call, they're bumping up Presidex to sedate her. Simultaneous with hanging up the phone on that call, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Yes, right?
1: that's another thing. Yeah.
0: And then then throughout the day, and you, you get into her last hour on this earth, they took Presidex and combined it with lorazepam and morphine in a 29-minute window. And that yeah. combination is truly the second cause of death because that's what you use to euthanize somebody in their last hour of hospice care. That's what yeah. they did to Grace. And so on her death certificate, it says COVID-19 pneumonia as the second cause of death. That's a complete lie. The second yeah. cause of death is that med combination. And it, when when it came time to revive Grace, because that med combination was killing her, the nurses wouldn't even come in the room. They stood outside in the hallway when my wife and I are screaming to save our daughter through a FaceTime call. They holler back, she's DNR. They wouldn't even come in the room. <sighs> Yeah, so now, hard. you know, so what happens is now we discover all of, you know, we we're partially there, right, through the FaceTime call. I was there from the 6th through the 10th, my daughter's notes, my notes, and we then we get the records. We piece this all together. Well, then I start speaking out and realize, oh, my gosh, there's 1.2 million Americans that this happened to or a version of it happened to with COVID as the excuse,
1: well, you're you're looking at you're looking. At, I don't know if you know my story. It happened to my brother, and you know that's what that's why I, my my new book is masking the truth: how COVID nineteen uh, destroyed civil liberties and, and shut down the world. And I go into this hospital. This what I've had a a, um, a woman on a couple of weeks ago that talked about the pro She wrote a book called "The Protocol That Kills." Yeah, lost her husband she, the same way. Yeah, Sheila
0: Skiba, I know. Yeah, Sheila she, she
1: exactly, and Sheila Skiba. So you know, my brother, same kind of thing, COVID pneumonia. But it, I, I'm wondering, yours is a little bit different though, because usually when they put them in the hospital and they claim they have COVID, and again, they give them the test, it's 90% false positive. The the, the guy invented it, Carrie Mullis, before he died conveniently right before COVID hit. Uh, sold him, hey, You can't rely on this. Right. Usually they quarantine them immediately for two to three weeks. So how how did you get to see her for four days and why were you led away by an armed guard?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So our story is unique for a number of reasons. One is Grace was never on remdesivir and she was never on a ventilator. So they euthanized her. That makes it unique. But I think, yes, the reason that that I so I look at God's hand in all of this. I ended up in a different hospital. Um, 3 days after Grace died they turned, turned me around in 24 hours so i could see a different way then grace was euthanized uh, she had the illegal DNR we were there so you asked how did we how we were uh, able to be there well in the emergency room when the the ER physician recommended that grace be admitted to the hospital i said well i'll be staying with her and and then the nurse came in and said well you can't you can't do that so what's the reason <laughs> And she said, well, COVID policy doesn't allow us to have visitors on the COVID wing. I said, well, then I'm going to take Grace home. And two hours later, they had that same nurse came in after they had a meeting with the higher ups and said, we decided you can stay as long as you don't leave the room. I said, well, I don't have any place to go. So that's no problem. And so that's how we got to stay. And then yeah. you asked, "How was I, or why was yeah, I?" Yeah. So, what my-
1: happened? Did you did, were you already were you already asking too many questions that they didn't want to answer? Or is that what happened there with why? Yeah.
0: Ultimately, did that's the, that is exactly what happened. And yeah. I'll give you some pointed examples. So, the so Grace's first full day in the hospital was the seventh. That was a good day. The eighth, the doctor, the pulmonologist came in and said, "You need to put your daughter on a ventilator in the next two hours." And at this point, my ventilator paradigm was shaped by President Trump calling on the War Powers Act to make ventilators. And I had no clue. Right. But, I, so then I, but I said to him, what is that, that recommendation based on and what is the prognosis? He said, well, it's based on a blood gas we did last night. And so I, I asked him about the time. And so I said, I don't think that number is accurate. So I asked him to redo the blood gas draw and Grace was fine. Then he told me that, that uh, only 20% of people who are put on a ventilator walk out alive. So that's a wake up. So now I start researching and realize, oh, my gosh, these things are a nightmare. We are never approving a ventilator. They're not even a tool that should be used with COVID. So, um, so that was one, one example. The next example I'll give you is even really even more horrific is on the, the morning of the 9th, I started feeding Grace. Grace is hungry. Of course, Grace could feed herself, but she had a BiPAP mask on. So I started feeding yes. her, and a nurse came, comes running in and says, you can't do that. I said, what's the reason? She said, well, her oxygen saturation is only at 85%. So I thought, this is impossible. You know, she's been in the 90s the whole time. So I put my pulse ox on Grace's finger and it read 95%. So I called the nurse back in and said, is my finger meter accurate? She said, yes, it is. I said, well, why is my meter reading 95 and yours is reading 85? And she said, well, because the leads get sweaty. I said, well, if that's a known, why aren't you proactively changing out these leads every five hours or whatever it takes so that you have an accurate reading, given this is the most important statistic you're using to manage my daughter's care? And she shook her finger at me and said, you should just be thankful you caught this. So these are the type (laughs) of things that were going on.
1: Yeah, oh, and, and I'm sure you know they said that to Sheila Skiba, and, and in my case, I was just completely isolated. I never, I never got to see my brother when he died in two weeks. They they took a perfectly healthy. he was a little bit different because he was one of those who had no symptoms at all, asymptomatic, which means not sick. And uh, he he uh, was a hypochondriac, so he called an ambulance for a typically silly reason, which he did way too often. I couldn't stop him, and he was in the hospital, and they had him diagnosed uh, before you knew it. He they had COVID pneumonia, I could do nothing to stop it. They, they gave him remdesivir and put him on a ventilator, even though I told them absolutely not to. So there are so many ways they do this, but yours is, is a little bit different. So I'm curious that, so the 10th, uh, you, because you're asking too many questions, they just told you you had to go, but then they let your your other daughter come? How, how did that work? Well,
0: yeah, I mean, that's it's interesting because it's, um, so we have 47 hours without advocacy, so, you know, I argued with this nurse, she said her excuses for having the armed guard there were, you know, number one, the last three shifts of nurses don't want you in the room. And that's because I was challenging, like I just shared. Yes. And then she said, uh, you've been shutting off the alarms at night. And I, and so my defense to that was the last three shifts of, or excuse me, the last, the, sh- the nurse nursing shifts taught me how to shut off the non-essential alarms. Uh, because they're off, they're going off all night long. Grace needs to sleep, and you know, right. the, most of these alarms don't matter. And then third, she says, We suspect you have COVID, which I mean, that is such a joke because they're the ones who told me I'm gonna get COVID. Of course I'm gonna have COVID. Mm-hmm. And I did. I mean, I already had a fever at one o'clock in the afternoon the first day, but they never asked me about any of that. So, anyway, then I you know, thankfully this was a Sunday, so now the, the guard walks me out and he said to me um you need to do something with this what they did is wrong and you know so then you know gets your wheel spinning and i got a hold of our disability rights attorney she was available on a sunday her name is sarah i said it told her what happened and so then we started working on the game plan for monday morning And, you know, ultimately she negotiated with the hospital attorney for Jessica to come in as a replacement. And we ultimately had 47 hours total without advocacy. During that 47 hours, instead of taking care of Grace, they increased Presidex, the sedation med dosage, six different times. It is so egregious.
1: Well, and you mentioned one thing, too, that I uh, and I, I didn't realize about that they probably doing this with my brother. But I get it because I wasn't there. I didn't get to see. But I've, I have with Sheila Skiba and some others I've talked to, and it sounds like with Grace, uh, this this why this ridiculous policy of not feeding them and using the oxygen levels. So they're basically starving them. So I, I guess they did with my brother. They did that with uh, with a. Uh, Sheila, Rob Skiba, and uh, I had a woman on last year who uh, whose husband, I think, lost a hundred and some pounds. And it was obviously because of this curious policy, as well as the do not resuscitate policy, too. I didn't find out about that until uh, late. I saw a do not resuscitate sign when it was, my brother was already gone. And apparently they were doing so. But this is and it's in my book where this is part, this protocol has so many elements to it. But, there you know, there's the uh, uh, apparently starving them, the remdesivir, the ventilators. In and, and your case, the morphine, that that is used quite a bit too because morphine is supposed to be for intense pain, right? Was Grace in intense pain? What was the point of that?
0: Well, that's, yeah, I just processed that. when By the time they gave her the morphine, Grace was completely knocked out. You yeah. know, what's strange is they gave Grace morphine at 615, at 643. So 615 morphine. That was the, the final straw in the 29-minute window with the med combination. Grace died at 727. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's an, you know, an hour and 12 minutes later she died. At 643, the doctor called Cindy and I, and he said, Grace had a, another good day. I just gave her morphine. So, of course, we're, we're trusting the white coat. yet we have no clue. He's the expert, right? And so we just said well what's the reason you gave gave her morphine and he said to slow her breathing down so I thought mm-hmm. I mean we didn't, weren't the wiser right mm-hmm. I didn't realize of course he meant to slow her breathing down to zero
1: yeah yeah that's and that's it's so this obviously's had you you mentioned before you went through this. Uh, that you weren't awake. I mean, some of this, you know, I've I've been awake to some degree since I was a teenager. And I knew all about. Ironically, in the case of my brother, I had told him about all this because he was a hypochondriac. And I said, the last place you want to be is a hospital. But, you know, he called the ambulance in the middle of the night. There was nothing I could do. He was already in there. And uh, they quarantined him. So uh, sometimes, you, you know, you do what you can and you can't do any more. But so you went from being a conservative business owner and maybe, I don't know, maybe basically trusting the system. I'm not sure. But this obviously had a huge impact on you and you had to be this is like the worst way possible to become awake to oh lose God. someone that close to you. So how how is this this and is is your wife, your other daughter? I don't know if you have any other kids, but is this affected the entire family? Do they all see things differently now?
0: Well, that is one thing I'm extremely thankful of is my wife is on board. My daughter's on board. Uh, we lost my my oldest son. So we had three kids. My son, Travis, daughter, Jessica, who was with Grace when she died. And then, um, of course, Grace. Well, we lost Travis to suicide in 2018. Oh, sorry. Um, so, uh, you know, a blessing is that our family yeah. is is unified. You know, and, you know, this is a big deal. We're out there on the front lines speaking out. And yeah, people don't realize what it takes to do that. It's, it's not just a financial burden because we have eight... At our high point, we had 18 billboards up in our local area announcing what's going on. We have a lawsuit going on, uh, which I mean we've got to use our own money for the lawsuit because there's no money in these cases. No. And you know, the the website, the you know, it's everything, it's 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 a huge financial draw or drain, I should say, but so what? You know, right now we we are all in, and anybody who this has happened to you've got to, you know, this is time to not, you know, it's not that I I don't miss Grace. I miss her every day. I cry every day, but it's, I can't keep my head in the sand. We're all in on this fight. I don't care. You know, I'm at the point I, I keep a loaded, I keep a loaded pistol in my truck when I'm driving, but so what? I mean, that pistol isn't going to protect me against you know, all the tools they have to take me out, but I don't care. If I get taken out, it's going to be guys like you, Don, that that keep this fighting. It's going to even be a bigger story, but, you know, I, I, um, I've, you know, you just process what it takes to be all in, you know, I'm, I'm rambling a bit now, but, you know, thanks for giving me permission. But I mean, I've been on over 500 media programs now. This is my, I don't remember what life was like anymore before. (laughs) This is,
1: this has obviously changed everything for you. So how, how is the, how's the, your. I guess your business associates how is the rest of your family your friends how have they reacted to any of them think like in my case most of my extended family thinks that you know he died of covid and he wasn't vaccinated and that was because of you you're pretty much at fault I know that's what they think uh yeah. do, do do people think you're crazy and you're or that you're not trusting the system or do they agree with you
0: <laughs> yeah we've met a lot of new friends so that's neat <laughs> the new friends of course they they get it you know, guys sure. like you, I, you and I could have an instant friendship. Why? Because you get it, right? Yes. But, yes. Uh, you know, your question is, it's strange, the different reactions. I mean, my wife, uh, this is several months ago now, somebody asked her, you know, how are things going? And she started telling her and she she put her hands over her ears and turned around and walked away and said, this can't, this isn't true. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know, so that's, yeah. that's wow. fairly extreme. You know, most people yeah. really don't say anything, but I mean, they don't contact you like they used to. So they're really saying, right. um, you know, the, the common threat is why don't you just get back to work? Um, you know, and yeah. the answer is because I can't. And I think God also set that up. I, I learned I had heart disease six years ago. And so I started the process of turning the business over to my guys back then. And so now this is what I do. I have a weekly meeting with the guys, and and yeah, that's the extent of my involvement with the business because I don't have time. This is a mm-hmm. full time job,
1: right? But you're still able to make a living out the business, right? I mean, because this well, is, this has got to be expensive, and especially if you're trying. I don't know if you have attorneys, but if you hire them, that's going to cost money, obviously.
0: Yeah, we it, uh, yeah we have you know thankfully the business is is um, mature and it's doing well, I mean, the business is why we're able to do this at the level we're doing. Yeah. So we did, we have a team of attorneys, uh, you know, just to get the lawsuit filed, uh, which was filed on April 11th. That was 80,000 just to get it filed. So, I mean, it's, it's big time money, but you know, it's, it's fiat currency anyway, Don.
1: <laughs> you're, you're obviously <laughs> you're waking. So now did you, is, is what happened? Did you, this terrible tragedy with your daughter? Is that what opened you to things like that, to understanding fiat currency, or did you already kind of have an awareness of that kind of stuff before?
0: I had no clue. I mean, oh, wow. all of this, yeah, yeah, all of this is is new to me. At this point, I see um, every single thing I've been been told has been a lie. You know, the and there's nothing I won't believe anymore. Of course, now I research instead. I don't just automatically believe it, but I don't discount it. Right. So. Um, You know, 9-11, I did the research on 9-11. Now I realize that's a false flag, Uh, you know, but I had to do the research, you know, but it wouldn't surprise me if we never did a moon landing. I haven't researched that yet, but, you know, if somebody tells me something that before I would say, you know, you're a whack job, I don't look at it that way anymore because I would have called myself a whack job a year and a half ago for all the things that I now believe, but I believe them because I've researched them.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't. The only way the only way to believe any of this stuff is to not, not know it, you know, <laughs> is to not know the facts about it. Once, once you look at, you know, you start uncovering the dominoes following JFK assassination, 9-11, right. anything, certainly the COVID. I call COVID the, COVID the greatest psyop in the history of the world. And uh, you said 1.2 million. I, I, I don't think they know they can figure out how many people have been killed by hospital protocol or the vaccines, for that matter. We don't know.
0: Yeah. The number I, you know, I've got that world data is where I got my, my number, um, from that's right. That those are hospital murders with COVID as a diagnosis. But I mean, we really don't know what the real number is. And of course now we have the vaccine murders on top of it.
1: Yeah. So it's got, so, so this has changed you, your wife, uh, your other daughter, Jessica and, um, so it's, this is, talk about how you decided to to take this, and I understand, I mean, I I was already doing this before my brother died, but it it really inspired me to finish that book and to uh, to talk more, to talk to people like you, talk more and more people to try to expose it so it, it doesn't happen to others, uh, because uh, maybe they, you know, if we can try to uncover one of their many lies, but I think the biggest lie of all is this COVID-19 thing, then maybe uh, their deaths wouldn't, have been in vain, but, uh, you decided after this happened. So you started a foundation, talk about everything that you did afterwards What you and your wife decided, or I assume you decided together, talk about the foundation, what you're doing. You've got the lawsuit going on. Are you, you said you knew Sheila so I'm imagine you, you've communicate with other people that have had the same thing happen.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take a step back. First, I want to comment about the up comment because a, I uh, I wrote a paper called the second largest PSYOP in, in history as part of this. And so I saw COVID as the second largest PSYOP. The third largest PSYOP was the JFK assassination, COVID the second one. And then the first one, the first largest PSYOP in the last 120 years is that we live in the home of the free and the land of the brave. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's the overall PSYOP as to why they can get away with this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they have programmed us. Um to, to believe in the system. And you know, that you know, one of the things I'm doing. So now we'll talk about the things that were that I'm doing. I'll just start with one that is ongoing weekly. I started my own podcast called Deep Programming with Grace's Dad. And the reason is is because that is the single most important thing I learned about myself, and that is how programmed I was. And part of the process that I have an obligation on personally is to deprogram myself. And the way you do that is you you act like a child. And so you start asking and, you know, until you know the why, you know nothing. So you start asking about things I thought were true. What's the reason I believe those? And then start digging. So, you know, <clears throat> I'll, I'll just break what we're doing into somewhat um, time frame. So Grace died October 13th of twenty one. We, we had gotten uh, a good chunk of the re- records by November 4th. Uh, a doctor and I had put the records together. Then by the 8th of November, we had sent a request into the hospital, requesting a meeting with the CEO and the doctor to go through what we found. At this point, you can see I'm not awake because why would I even request the meeting? Right. I, I'm thinking it's an anomaly. They would want to know how they killed Grace so it doesn't happen again. Well, they, they refused to meet with us um, on December 2nd of 21. So then I sent in a request to the Department of Safety and Professional Services, which is the regulatory agency in Wisconsin for the doctor's licenses, um, with a complaint. You know, And I had a lot of details. I had about 100 hours of research in Rick Grace's records at that point. They did a sham investigation, sent me a letter dated January 20th of 22, And that's when I, the first day when I, I would say that was the first day of my awakening, because the letter said, you know, they did an investigation. The doctor did nothing wrong. I thought, this is impossible. Yeah. And So that's when I thought they're all in on this. And that started a path where then between January and April, I had about 500 hours in now. I realized Grace was murdered. And at that point, it changed my whole view, because now I thought, I wonder what is going on. So I started researching genocide. I started researching the Holocaust. And as God would have it, part of the research of the Holocaust, I listened to a podcast with Alex Newman and Vera Sheriff. I called Vera Sheriff on July 8th. I just talked with her yesterday, so we were 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 recounting Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. So Vera is a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. So I called her on July 8th, and uh, she... (laughs) she was, she's one of the toughest, she's one of the kindest and toughest ladies at the same time. So she doesn't know me from Adam and she's, I don't even know it's her. I call this phone number, a lady answers, and she just starts (laughs) pounding me with questions. And after about 20 minutes of pounding me, she said, I'm Vera. And her and I became fast friends. We did about 25 interviews together and they're powerful interviews. Well, ultimately that led to, connecting the dots that we are in a second Holocaust, but this time it's worldwide and there's nobody to save us. So now what? So then along comes Kate Shemarani. Have you heard of her yet, Don?
1: I recognize the name. I, 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 I Go ahead and tell us about her.
0: She's uh, she's from uh, the UK. She has uncovered this state sanction, euthanized, euthanasia agenda. And she said, Scott, you've got to find the smoking guns in the U.S. And so that set me on a whole bunch of rabbit trails. And ultimately, I did find the smoking guns in the U.S. uh, as to the euthanasia agenda. And, you know, so I've been speaking out relative to the research that I have found and wrote a couple of papers. Um, And then I stumbled across some other research that really was... um, this is maybe the single most, you know, technical thing that I found, which is the Hegelian dialectic. Mm-hmm. That led me to um, seeing that this is a satanic war that we're in. Yes. And um, in fact, the Christian churches are in on it. Yes. And there was some shocking research I found: the Rockefellers funding the Christian seminaries, a um, hundred thousand pastors being trained by FEMA um it's like oh my gosh and then we ended up leaving our own church over this because the pastor disagreed with with me speaking out um he was preaching a watered down version of romans 13 and 14. then you know we had we started working on a documentary which that documentary was released on may 22nd so that took about eight months of work and it's called breaking the oath you can unrumble you can just type in breaking the oath it's there uh, the lawsuit we started working on last September that got filed April 11th, and so now we've got the responses to the lawsuit. Um, you know what's next? Uh, we're we're framing Grace's case now. Uh, you know, I've been out there long enough, and we've got enough stuff going that we think we can break into mainstream media with Grace's case. So that's what we're working on now. Is we want the world to know. Uh, You know, Grace's story is the introduction. Nobody can hate Grace. But, you know, with Grace's story as an introduction, it gives me a platform to share the euthanasia agenda.
1: Were you on Tucker Carlson? He seems like he might have been interested in your story.
0: Um, Not yet. He's one of the ones that I, I believe he... You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, none of this stuff is a shoe in as you can imagine.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because I he, he had people like you. And I, I for some reason, I thought he talk- How about Alex Jones? Alex Jones had you on?
0: No, I've been on War Room a couple of different times. we not with Alex Jones. Okay,
1: okay, with Woe and yeah, sure. Because your, your story is unique. It's a, little, it's a little slight variation on the same theme, but the end result is the same. And they're mistreating, uh, and it's, it's part of the overall problem, I and mean, COVID just is shining a light on it, but it's right. the overall problem of when you're seeing nurses, like, you know, wagging their fingers at you, and in other cases, i you know had patients are reported doctors and nurses, you know, really yelling at them, or just, because they're questioning things. And they're questioning something that obviously doesn't work. Said, so you, you you, talked about, if, if you had not gone to the hospital, Grace would be alive today. Correct. and or if you and, and i know if my brother hadn't gone to the hospital he'd be alive today there's no question and that's an awful indictment isn't it of the system and I, I assume you probably trusted the medical system to some degree uh, before sure. that Sure i mean
0: I, I you know you you realize i mean my perspective of the medical um, industrial complex I'll call it now was was tainted for sure because once I developed heart disease or when I learned I had heart disease, I started researching heart disease. They immediately wanted to put me on a statin drug. And I said no to that. And then I started researching. Well, then one of the nurses called me aside and said, Scott, I wanna tell you something you're not gonna wanna hear. And I said, well, tell me. So this is six years ago. And she said, the reason they want you to be on a statin drug is because they have to get you on that drug. I said, what's the reason? She said our Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement rates are dependent on what percentage of our patient population gets on these meds. I thought, Oh my gosh. So you start seeing this now in the research documents that I found with, you know, Obamacare and we found the new death panels that were put in place during COVID and, um, now there's a hundred million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid before COVID there's 62 million. So you can see this whole thing and it is a, it's a culture of death that they have been able to implement through decades of training the medical profession to believe in collectivism. And so COVID simply exposed it. That's all it did. They've been working on this for decades.
1: Oh, certainly. And, and white wolf, you see on screen there, he's, he brought out something that, uh, that I, I've been harping on more and you kind of uh, alluded to it with your, your church. Uh, what do you think the reason, and COVID is one thing, but I mean, we saw when these, when the lockdowns happened and uh, I thought early on, I thought, well, there's, there's going to be some renegade churches that won't, they're not going to, surely they're not going to shut, shut down on Easter. They're going to have some people that are not going to obey, but there was almost no one. And you're still seeing it now, whether it's, uh, the transgenders, crazy, woke stuff that's right. going on in these things, all these horrible things that the churches should be in the lead against the forefront. Where are these, they're, apparently they're all like your pastor was because they're not, they're not leading any movements. They're not in the streets. The left is in the streets, but the Christian, this is, cause this is a spiritual battle. I talk about that all the time. We are fighting dark satanic forces here and, uh, the people that are supposed to represent God, why do you think that they're just, they're silent about all this stuff? Your pastor should have been incensed about what happened to grace.
0: Well, I agree. So, you know, I'll speculate as to why. And I, so I see things through the lens of um, a pastor early on when I first knew I was one of God's, he said that uh, grace will always erode to works. And so that's the law of entropy. So if a, a pastor is not on guard against things that are going to take us away from the absolute truth. And he sees the word of God as a continuum that it's, it's um, you know, the definition of liberal is the situation dictates morality versus non-liberal is morality is absolute. So if the pastor is not grounded that morality is absolute, he's going to go on that slippery slope. And so, for example, Romans fourteen—how they preach Romans fourteen—is—is is that would be called the unity chapter. We all need to get along. So, certainly, uh, a biblical principle is unity. But if that's your only biblical principle, all of a sudden, um, transgenderism is not a sin because unity is the only thing that matters. Right. You know. So that's what I think is—is is behind this—is they don't really understand. Um, They don't. They don't have enough roots. They don't have enough spiritual roots to withstand um, these temptations.
1: Well, or how has it affected your in terms of your uh, the way you practice religion? Are you have you become like me and a lot of others, where we just we have faith, but we don't have any trust in any organized religion? Or have you found a new church?
0: Yeah, I mean, we home church now. I mean, I have met a couple of pastors, thankfully, in this process that. Uh, who I trust, you know, so we listen to some of their sermons. and um, But, you know, I, I have been against organized religion for a long time. The same pastor that I mentioned from 30 years ago, he said Jesus was the most anti-religious person who ever walked the face of the earth. And sure. he he said, I define religion as man's way to reconcile with God versus faith as God's way to reconcile with man. And so, you know, all the denominations seem to be on that path where, you know, they're they're all the church of the only ones. And, uh, you know, they seem to all have their own corner on the truth. Well, I, I, I never got that. So, uh, well,
1: it's, it's amazing how and how because uh, you're talking about this happened at the end of 2021. So you basically come into my world and the world of our audience. Uh, you've gone down these rabbit holes and that really that's what triggered it. So it sounds like you've learned uh, an awful lot, um, you know, since then. And uh, is it how disillusioning is it for you? Because you get to the point where somebody like me, I'm so cynical because I, I I realize that everything is a lie. I mean, what can you trust? Do you, do you trust anything anymore?
0: <laughs> well, at first, it would take me some of these hard truths would take me a couple of weeks to have them percolate through my head, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was where I was at at the beginning when I was like, oh my gosh, you know this, right? But then, you know, now. Um, yeah, I mean, I I am uh, very uh, well. I mean, it's it's hard when you realize everything you believe is has been a lie. But then you know what what's happened of late, where I'm at now, is looking at what about controlled opposition. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some big names in this movement that I have I I have a hard time wrapping my head around. Uh, some of the things that they're saying. So uh, an example I'll share with you is a couple weeks ago, Tom Renz jumped into the hospital murder lane. And I I know Tom. Um, We referred him the person who is the whistleblower. That is why he's jumped into that. But in the podcast that he had, the solution he was proposing is we need a congressional investigation into hospital murders. I thought that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Congress is in on this. How can you have yeah. Congress investigate Congress? And it's not just Tom. I mean, there's a number of these things that I I see, and I wonder what is going on. You know, are you know these guys are way smarter than I than I am, but I can. Why would they recommend something like that?
1: So I think that's their yeah you know, their knee jerk reaction. What 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 would you uh, other than because the problem is we. <laughs> When everything is corrupt, which it is, like you know, the court. I mean, I, I wish you luck on your lawsuit, but that's hard too because the courts are, uh, you know, you know they're. I mean, this look what happened again. I'm no fan of Trump anymore, but I mean, they just indicted him again on. I mean, they're just indicting him. You know, every month it seems on, you know, ridiculous stuff, and the court. This court system is just. It's made for politicized prosecution, so you would have to get a special. You'd have to come into a special courtroom where you'd have one of the few independent judges left. I think to have a chance. I mean, I'm not. I hope. I certainly wish you luck. But there, there's a couple uh, lawyers out in California. You probably heard of them as well. That mm-hmm. have uh, sued some of the hospitals out there over this. Death by a hospital Pro. Are you familiar with them? Have you talked to them? I am.
0: Yeah, I am familiar with them. And I'll just give you my perspective of the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So you, you were asking first, what would I recommend? Well, I certainly am not going to have Congress investigate Congress, especially with what I've learned. I mean, they're the ones who set this in motion. You know, when you look at section 1553 of Obamacare, you see it legalizes assisted suicide, euthanasia, and mercy killing in writing yeah. in law. Well, Congress yeah. passed that and they refused to repeal it. So you see, they are all in on it. So you can't have Congress investigate Congress. Right. The, the, the lead consulting attorney on our team, um, he has said uh, there's three ways we can influence change. And these are in reverse order. Number you know So number three is politically. We can get laws to change. Well, that's a waste of time because all of these... Higher up show, you know, like let's say the DNR law, what are we going to do? It Have a, a stronger DNR law? I mean, they put yeah. an illegal DNR. They don't care about the law. So yeah. you cannot, you can't legislate morality. So that's a waste of time. Then second is the judiciary. So of course we have a lawsuit and I'm going to go on that one in just a minute. Um, but then number one is that we've, uh, we, we can use the press. So that's why I've been on over 500 shows. And, you know, this attorney, third, thankfully, has the attitude. He said, Scott, whatever you just keep talking, whatever you're doing is working, and we'll just work around whatever you say. So, you know, I've been calling Grace's death murder. Why don't they sue me? Why doesn't mm-hmm. I'm, we're going up against Ascension hospital system? They have $30 billion in cash. Why don't they sue me? Well, yeah. because they must know that I'm right. You know, if they sue me, guess what? They've got to prove that Grace wasn't murdered.
1: Right. right.
0: So just process what's going on here. All right. So that's why my recommendation is we are, you know, it isn't an an investigation. It's not the judiciary. It is invest time telling your neighbor, do what you can do with your one talent. You know, I've got more talents than most people. I didn't realize some of the talents that I have, but I mean, that's, you know, I've got the time. So, I mean, do what, do what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, my then I just want to comment about my perspective of the lawsuit is my perspective of the lawsuit was framed by watching the JFK documentary from, by Oliver Stone. Sure. So in that documentary, you had um, Jim Garrison was the, the DA from New Orleans that right. filed the only murder charge. Right. And so that, you know, you look at Jim Garrison lost, but he won. And the reason sure. he won is he... He shined light on evil, and that's the way I'm looking at Grace's case. It simply is another opportunity for us to shine light on evil. You know, we are going up against Goliath, and the odds of the odds of winning when you are going up against a hospital with thirty billion in cash, you know, it's ex- exceedingly low odds. But so what? It's only, you know, the money that we're throwing at that is a fiat currency anyway. I don't care if we're broke. We're going to put everything we have into what we're doing because that's our responsibility.
1: Well, you certainly have, a, you know, you have the inspiration to do it. And um, you, know, you somebody mentioned the thing about the thirty million dollars that the hospital has. Thirty million dollars. I think I estimated they made about a hundred thousand dollars on my brother's death. I don't know how long Grace wasn't in the hospital that long, but I mean, I'm sure you think they they probably made a tidy sum on her as well.
0: Yeah, I don't, you know, the problem is I don't know exactly how much because, you know, we don't know about the hospital bonus payments, those aren't in right. the list. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, I would expect that it was in that range, the $100,000 range also. Grace was only in the hospital a week. Um, yeah, but, you yeah. know, it's hard for me to judge that. I don't know. But what I do know is with Ascension, you know, this this idea of incentivized healthcare and you should call it incentivized death care or I should call it incentivized death care i did the math and based on their number of hospitals the number of beds designated to covid the reality is they received 10 billion in government bonus payments disguised as in in the covid era in just the first year the first year of covid they received yeah. 10 billion so look at the temptation that they had so not only the temptation to follow protocols, but then they were able to get people to buy into the shroud of secrecy. No visitors, right? Yeah. And then then third and maybe most important is, is the Health and Human Services Secretary allowed for the PrEP Act to be implemented so they have immunity from liability is like, <laughs> long as they follow the protocols. That's insanity. I mean, it's, it's quite a temptation. Think about it. I'll give you this example. I shared this yesterday for the first time, Don. If if I told you, Don, I've got a bank for you to rob, all right? Yeah. I'm yeah. going to give you the key and nobody can watch you. Okay. You're going to be the only one in the bank. I'm going to give you the key to the ball, vault. There's $10 million for there for you to take. And as long as you follow this script, Okay, so you go in at four o'clock. You put the key in. You take the ten million out. You you put it in your car and you leave the scene. You get immunity from liability. So if you get caught with that ten million in your car, you have immunity. That's quite a temptation, yeah. right? That's what happened here.
1: Yeah, no, it, and it's it's uh, and. Again, I call. I, I, you say it's the the overall narrative is the greatest PSYOP. Well, I guess we're arguing over what PSYOPs are what, but it certainly <laughs> it certainly transformed your life and uh, how. So you're a, you because you have a different and it's in one way you're lucky because you are fortunate and your family's not because I can tell you my family and most families that I've heard of, uh, you know, marriages are broken up over this thing and you know people you know children ostracized their parents and stuff. But it sounds like. You three, at least, are are presenting a united front. Are your are your wife and daughter all involved in the foundation? They're involved in the lawsuit as well. Um, to
0: a, a lot less degree than I am. Uh, it's interesting, you know, the the process of the lawsuit. We didn't list them as plaintiffs specifically because you know it. It we may add them. I don't know for sure, but you know to to get under the. The scrutiny of a deposition. I just wanted to protect them. Uh, so you know, when I had the meeting with the attorneys, I just thought I don't know that we should have them as plaintiffs. But we, I have a meeting with the legal team next week, Tuesday. That's one of the discussion points: um, is should we add them as plaintiffs? Uh, my daughter Jessica has been quite actively involved. Uh, she is. We started a new website after the lawsuit was filed: graceshera.com. And the reason is, is it allows people to sign up. We're really looking for to get people to sign up to follow the story in the case because we see that there's going to be calls to action as the case proceeds. And you know, for me to get on, um, you know, when the lawsuit was filed, I was on the following Monday. I was on nine interviews in one day. Well, that just wow. it just kills <laughs> you. You know, yeah. so you can't be doing nine interviews in a day to get the message out. You know, if we have a database of a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand that's a way easier way to leverage our time. So she's doing that. Um, So then she, she manages the, you know, she gets the emails out for my deprogramming podcast. And um, you know, my wife is, um, you know, she's lost two kids. I've lost two kids, but as my best friend said, after we lost Travis, she's, he said, remember, she's the mom. And you know, this is, this is tough.
1: Oh, you've been you've been te- you've been tested my friend i I, uh, I admire your attitude and your 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 faith is still strong and that you want to try to do something positive because a lot of people would be bitter and i my I, I heart goes out to you
0: well i you know I, I miss my buddy uh, but you know so what people yeah, this got asked to me in an interview earlier this week hardly anybody ever asked this question but how, how do you, you know, what's the reason? So, I mean, yes, I have strong faith. Um, My faith has gotten stronger, but what's the reason, you know, the answer to that question is it has nothing to do with me. You know, if I could make my faith stronger or if I could forgive, you know, I, I, I want the doctor and nurse primary primarily responsible for Grace's murder to repent. You know, so what's the reason? And the reason is, is this is the whole purpose of the gospel. If I could forgive them and want them to repent on my own, there's no gospel necessary. I, You know, God does the things that we can't do. And that's why we, that's why Jesus came. That's why we have a gospel. So when I sat in the hospital and I just about died on October 16th, three days after Grace died, that's when God, he, he broke me to the point of, okay, well, here we go. Whatever you choose to, you know, when my wife and I decided to jump into this, we just said, well, whatever doors you open, we'll walk through them. And if you don't want us to do this anymore, show us. But otherwise, we're, we're just going to keep going. And, you know, he has opened up door after door after door. And we just, you know, these are some tough doors to walk through, but we're doing it. But he's the one doing it all you know, we have our, we have our part, you know, so he gave me the spirit of forgiveness that was absolutely necessary to pull this off. Can you imagine that if you're just an angry dad screaming at everybody all the time? I mean, that doesn't work.
1: No, but well, not many people could do what you, what you've done. I mean, you, you, you have a just fantastic attitude and you can tell your faith is very strong. Tell us about the, so you're, you've done as many as nine interviews in one day, which is, I mean, I, I pretty, I pretty much, I don't say no to anybody, but I've never had nine in one day, man. That's, <laughs> that's tough. Uh, how do you fit your own show? And you said you had your own podcast. Tell us about that. How often uh, is well, that aired and and what, uh, who, who airs it? Where can people find that?
0: Yeah. So it's called deprogram with Grace's dad. If you go on Grace's main website or amazing there's a little tab called deprogramming. It's also on rumble. So you can type in deprogram with Grace's dad on rumble. The, um, so that got started last November, and it's interesting because it's just a weekly. You know, at the beginning, it, it was just this idea that okay, I'm I'm working on being deprogrammed. I'll get guests on that that can you know help share their wisdom. Well, I've met a whole bunch of people. So I mean, I've had some pretty incredible guests on the on the program. But what was the surprise for me is how long it takes me to prepare because I really want people to get a crisp message out of the program. And so, you know, you've been doing this longer. I'd never interviewed anybody before. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so it takes me to do a one hour show. It takes me about three hours of prep. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so then I do it once a week. So it takes me and then there's about a half hour in buttoning up the loose ends. Uh, Thankfully, we have a producer. So he produces the show and then you know, the, the stuff behind the scenes. So, you know, I have four and a half hours or so a week in, in the program.
1: Well, wow, So tell us about some of the guests you've had, who, who have you had that some of the stuff that I might know or audience might know.
0: Yeah. So the first guest I had, the, he kicked off the program was Mickey Willis. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've had, uh I'd have to look at the list, but just top of mind, I had, you know, who nurse Aaron is.
1: I think well, M- Mickey Willis, is that the guy that has a new documentary out? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's that's big. He's been on Alex Jones and lots of uh big shows. Wow,
0: good and yeah, nurse Aaron. I had on, I had Stu Peters on. Oh, he's uh, big too. Yeah, I had Del, Del Big Tree. Yes, uh, I had
1: Del Big Tree on. Yeah,
0: yeah. Two weeks ago, I had Dr. Uh, McCullough.
1: Yes, uh, McCullough.
0: I had Dr. Brzezinski. He was a great guest. He's the one who invented uh cure for cancer that the government tried to mm-hmm. run him out of town.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. So he was a fantastic guest, Uh, you know, but, you know, the names don't matter. Last week I had Sheila, uh, Sheila Skiba, who we mentioned on along with two other ladies that are their boots on the ground. That podcast was maybe the best one we ever did. And it was with, you know, people without any name behind them. But you don't it's not about having a name. It's about, um, you know, they are doing God's work. They're out there. They realize that they've been called to do something versus leaving their head in the sand. So they were just as important as as having Dell Bigtree.
1: Sure. Well, we're we're trying to fight this thing, uh, you know, together. And uh, what uh, you mentioned uh, in terms of uh, Congress looking at it. So do you do you have any when you look at people like uh, what do you think of Trump? I'm imagining maybe as a conservative business owner, you were attracted to him initially. A lot of us were. Uh, but he's claiming credit for the vaccine now, and he doesn't seem to want to let that go. What are your thoughts, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? Dell Big Tree is uh, his partner, uh, so he's uh, you know they're they're business partners together. What, what do you think of the, the the political landscape now, in terms of presidential candidates?
0: Yeah, that's a you know so first I put zero faith in politics. Uh, right. The last mm-hmm. uh, election for for Senate and House of Representatives, I, this is the first election I didn't vote in. Uh, and it's because, a, a, I was listening to a pastor the week before the election and in our, in our state, we have Ron Johnson. Uh, he was against, yes. yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember who he was against, but you know, I have, I, I have only voted Republican, straight Republican tickets every time I voted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, but here's why I didn't vote. And the, the pastor had convinced me, uh, through that sermon that, Something I worked was working on with the Hegelian dialectic, and that is we're voting for the lesser of two evils. And so unless the man has shown to be a man of character, you really are, are participating in Satan's system. And so that's why I didn't vote. So, you know, as it applies to um, President Trump, I voted for Trump twice. Uh, what do I think of him now? I think that he's in on it. And the reason is is he has not renounced the vaccine. So I just cannot, I can't stomach that. I don't understand it. Uh, and you know, people can say that, well, he's playing 3D chess or all these excuses they give, but I just see them all as an excuse. Just admit that, you know, if you were duped, just admit that you were duped and this thing is this thing is a bioweapon. It's been proven to be a bioweapon. Anybody that reads the Brooke Jackson lawsuit can see blatantly with their own eyes that this is a bioweapon so stop lying to people all right then you know I would feel a lot better then regarding um uh RFK Jr's run um I've gotten to know him a bit on a, a personal level he reached out to me uh at the time we did Grace's rally in April of '22. Um, I've never met him personally, but I do like what he has to say.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, it's it's refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely refreshing to see somebody that's willing to speak yeah. truth to power, and that's what I see in him. Uh, I I you know I don't know his entire platform. I wouldn't guess that I that we wouldn't have agreement on some things, but that's not the point. You know, there's you know in when I look at somebody speaking truth to power that is refreshing in the political arena because you know, that is, that's taboo, right? All these guys are in on it. So he does not appear to be in on it to
1: me. And he reached out to you. Did you, so did you talk to him on the phone or anything or how did he reach out to you?
0: No via email.
1: Okay. So, well, wow.
0: uh, He's we've, we've corresponded via email multiple times.
1: Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, he, yeah, he, he and I had the same publisher and, uh, we have lots of mutual connections like Sherry Tenpenny and Del Bigtree and people like that. But I just I don't know. I think I scare him off because I've written so much about the Kennedys. I'm pretty extreme on that. But uh, I've uh, you know, I, I have a generally favorable opinion of him. So we we, have, we still have like 25 minutes left. I, I want you to be able to talk about whatever you want to talk about. We've covered everything pretty well, but I want to make sure we didn't miss anything. And what else uh, you, know, you want to, to have the audience here?
0: Well, you know, there's a, a couple of things that I would that I would point to, and you know, so I mentioned about Obamacare Section 1553, and I really would encourage your listeners to to um, take a look at that. It's page 141. If you Google Obamacare, you'll see it's a 906 page PDF, and if you read page 141, your life will change, and it's because it it calls out exactly what is taking place. There is a very specific agenda to reduce the population. And what they have done with Obamacare is put in writing what their goal is. And then another document that we found was specifically related to Down syndrome. And this is what they're doing. They're training medical professionals, and I'm using professionals in quotes, to kill people. And they do it under the spirit of collectivism. And it's very important that everybody understands what that means. Because once you're convinced of the spirit of collectivism, you see that when you kill somebody like this, you're simply doing your job. And when you understand that inside of you, if your brother would have understood that, he would have never went to the hospital. Right. But he did not believe you. So that is the thing that I, I would say more than any other thing. People say, well, what do you want to leave people with? And what I want to leave people with is change your belief. If you do not change your belief, you will never follow suit on what needs to take place to be prepared. And what needs to be take place to be prepared is you have to have in a hospital setting, you have to have informed consent grace died you know there's a number of reasons grace died that i've shared but uh, this is one that if i would have understood what informed consent means and stood my ground grace would be here today so informed consent is two words informed and then consent so informed is obvious if if don you're going to go buy a new car you want to get informed right right okay so When you're in a hospital setting, it's the same thing. Look at every single thing they're doing. You want to get informed. And the doctor has a legal and ethical responsibility to provide that information. But they don't tell you that. No. You've got to demand it. So you start with when you check into the hospital, do not sign that little pad with the fake pen. Get the printout of what they want you to sign and read it. Take your time. Read it anything that's wrong, cross off an initial because you should not sign away any rights by entering that hospital. Now you're in the hospital, you own that room. That doctor works for you, you can fire the doctor. The hospital is not the place to be nice. If you can't advocate for yourself, you've got to have an advocate with you, period. And that advocate has to understand what you want to have happen the documents that need to be done beforehand are on grace's main website or amazinggrace.net there's a hospital rescue tab and then the documents the medical directives documents the power of attorney documents they're all there these are all documents that should be done ahead of time so that you are totally prepared for going into that hospital then you go through the documents with the doctor you make sure those documents are in your patient record so that now there's a written record of what you want for your care and your insistence on informed consent with every single step. And then I want to also explain that consent. I keep calling informed consent. So informed is what you're after. Consent is now after you take all the information they gave you, take the time to discern it, research it yourself, talk with somebody on the outside, and then give your consent as a separate issue. Don't be pressured to give your consent live. And, you know, so that all assumes you're going into a hospital. Taking a step back, you everybody should be finding doctors and medical professionals who are outside the system. I mean, that almost goes without saying, but it's that important at this point.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. So, to, so RFK Jr. reached out to you, which was pretty amazing, because of your story. I mean, I heard about your story. It, it did get a lot of attention, and I think probably because of the aspect of, of uh, Grace had Down syndrome maybe on it, maybe that why it makes a kind of a, a different slant on it. But has anybody in, you know, I have obviously a very dim view of the mainstream media. I'm sure you do as well. That's the biggest problem is that they're not putting, if we just had one television network that would focus right. on these things and we don't, so you're relegated to coming on shows like mine, you know, that's, this is the media we, you know, we're, we're the alternative media. Has anybody, any like maybe local Affiliates of the networks, or anybody any it was a human interest story? Has anybody reached out to you or did you try to reach out to any of them?
0: You know, we've had a couple of opportunities. So when great we had Grace's rally in April of twenty two we did a protest event in October of twenty two and then when we did the press conference for the lawsuit, um, so local press came to each one of those. So we did get some local press coverage. Uh, so the last one with the lawsuit, the local Fox affiliate was, was there, um, the, I, I think ABC news covered the, um, the rally and CBS covered the, uh, the protest event. I'd have to look back to see, but I mean, we did get local coverage, you know, it was actually better than what I thought in all cases. Okay. I thought it was, was better than what I thought you know, surprisingly they would pick and choose things to, to make sure the hospital got more than a fair shake, but of that's course. okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was okay. I was, I was just thankful to have the coverage, but we've gotten nowhere with any uh, national news yet. Everything we've been doing is on, on podcasts.
1: Well, if you, if you couldn't have get on, got on Tucker that when he was on Fox, that would have been, that would have been your only hope. I think he may have had you maybe, but uh, maybe he'll have you on his Twitter show. I don't, I don't know what he's doing now, but, uh, you know, if you, how about coast to coast, have you tried that and millions of listeners there? I I bet they'd, they'd want you on.
0: I haven't heard of coast to coast.
1: Well, coast to coast. AM. That's my biggest platform. Whenever I have a new book out, I try to get on there because it's eight to 10 million listeners and it's the biggest platform, you know, theoretically that someone like us could get, um, Reach. Whoa, if you they,
0: Yeah. If you have any contact information, I will, I
1: will. I, I, will. I, I have a, uh, I, I have a friend there and uh, I'll uh, mention it because I, I think your story is uh, deserves uh, to be here. and would help your family. That's because you are, I you mean, know, are people giving you donations? Do you have like a GoFundMe or anything like that? Yeah, we have a, we have a
0: gift send go set up. So if gift you go to go? great, yeah, greatshare.com, the gift send go is there. Um, we have had several people contribute. Um, you know, since the beginning, when I was on Glenn Beck after the lawsuit broke, and that was our biggest platform for contributions. You know, we're not really asking for for contributions at this point, but people, you know, they want to do something. Which you know, which sure. we're, we're thankful when people give. But you know, more importantly than than giving money is you know supporting us with your prayers. You know, we have had no death threats yet. Uh, praise God, and you know, so those are. You know, I just I expect them to come. We've lost a couple of clients in our business because of speaking out. Uh, we've had somebody try to hack bank accounts. Uh, we originally had a GoFundMe set up that was taken down because we were spreading disinformation. <laughs> um, you know, you tell the truth today, and it's misinformation, right? Uh, yeah. So, of course, you know we're we're thankful when people give them, I and there's there's so many financial needs, but we've been we've been financially blessed. So, what we're doing is, you know, we're just using a hundred. You know, we don't have anybody on salary, so a hundred percent of everything that's coming in is going towards our media campaign, the billboards, getting the word out.
1: Well, I'm sure Grace is really proud of you. What what what, what do you think if if Grace was here? Uh, what, uh, what did she have like? A, did she express uh, views on subject like what would she? Because of course she was involved in it, obviously. Sure. But but I mean, yeah. what do you think her view would be of all this going on? What, what would what would she make of what you're doing and everything?
0: Well, my daughter Jessica, I'm smiling because I know exactly the answer to that question, <laughs> and you know, so it gets me smiling, but I, it's, it gets me teary-eyed at the same time. Uh, So Jessica said it best when we started speaking out. She said, Grace is watching you from heaven, Dad. And she's she's saying, way to go, earthly dad. Grace Grace called me earthly dad.
1: Really? Wow, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. So she said, Grace would say, way to go, earthly dad.
1: I'm sure she's doing that. I mean, that's, you know, it's. It's it's so tough to have to go through these. And you're obviously not alone. And I imagine you've heard uh, not just Sheila Skiba, but how many other people once they heard about your story? Because uh, people contacted me about my brother. So I'm sure you must have got a lot of people. Uh, did, you, did you just get people contacting you saying, well, this happened to my loved one and I can relate? Or uh, I'm sure you must have had people contact you like that.
0: Oh, lots of them. and So we set up an area on the website so people can share their story. We have 101 other stories posted right now, but I wanna share one that was the most egregious story that I have ever seen with this whole thing. This is worse than Grace's. So this was a lady in Connecticut. She had a Down syndrome daughter who was murdered in a hospital in December of 2021. She was in the hospital 22 days. She sent me the the medical bill, and I saw some things on that bill that shocked me. So one is there was a drug on that bill called Toxalizumab. I was familiar with Toxalizumab because the COVID expert with Grace wanted me to approve Toxalizumab. He never gave me any information other than the name. So I looked it up, and I saw, my gosh, this drug is no good. The placebo group did better than the drug group. And so then, when his partner in crime asked me my decision on Toxilisimab, I said, "No, we're not doing that." So he said, "What's the reason?" I showed him the New England Journal of Medicine study that showed what just what I told you. He got mad at me for for researching. Yeah, and so then when I saw <laughs> so then I saw on this lady's uh, medical record. And it is, it's a, it's an EUA drug, emergency use authorization drug, just like remdesivir. It's $22,000 a dose. Oh. So you can kind of get the picture as to yeah. why he was recommending it. We got great now, motivation there. <laughs> her record also had, so on her day before her last day, they gave her um, midazolam, fentanyl, and draconium bromide. So those three drugs... So midazolam, fentanyl, zirconium bromide, those are what they give death row inmates <sighs> by lethal injection. So this lady had found, and I started sharing it publicly, a letter written April 6th of 2021. So this is only a month into COVID. This was written by a whole number of doctors that signed this letter. It was sent to all the state prison systems in the states that kill inmates by lethal injection, requesting those meds because they needed them in their hospital settings for COVID. Wow. So
1: well, that, that ought to tell you something. Jeez, that's that's just unbelievable. Obviously, you're getting overwhelmingly. Overwhelming support here. People are uh, moved by your story, and uh, people are making comments about uh, grace. And uh, you know, again, I can't tell you this. This is I, I can relate to your story on so many levels because my brother was killed by was murdered as well. And I'm like you. I'm he was murdered, and that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna say. He was a murder. They might as well they might as well just go and suffocated some of these patients with a pillow. Right. I mean, exactly. It's, it's same thing, right? I mean, just you can maybe. Uh, let them plead down to second degree murder or something. But I mean, that's, this is what it is. And, uh, and the problem is though, you know, it's so frustrating because people, who do you, when you say you, you, you kind of, the system killed them. It wasn't individual doctors because they're all following the protocol. They they think that this is, you know, what they're told to do. Did you, you, I mean, it's so hard to take on, it is a Goliath. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, you know, so I would say the system was a piece. But in our lawsuit, we named the system, of course, but then we also individually named five doctors and two nurses as defendants because you can't, you can't blame the system. They still had choices. And, you know, to this was, this was shook out during the Nuremberg trials. That you couldn't use following right. orders as an excuse and right. so that's why we specifically named the doctors and nurses who were directly involved with grace's death and we also left open with john does the opportunity to add more as we dig into discovery
1: yeah with a late the lady that uh, whose husband he didn't die but he was you know who's severely uh, incapacitated and uh lost some pounds so he's lucky he survived. but they did their best to kill him and uh she is naming, they, they've launched a lawsuit and actually, and what made that so personal to me is because it was the same hospital my brother died in. Yeah. She's in my area. So, uh, you know, so, and she, in that case, they, they actually had a, uh, uh, they served a, uh, you know, a warrant on her to keep her, you know, to keep her away from the hospital. So, because she was asking so many questions, so that's what happens to these people. In, in my case, I didn't have a chance to. It happened so quick. All and you know, I found out they'd been betrayed at the last moment that they'd given him remdesivir and, and put him on a ventilator against my wishes. And uh, it's but there's this is just such a a huge story. And I, I hope you and I hope the other uh, the other people that are launching lawsuits. I hope can somehow against all odds find some justice. And I do know that Grace is uh, you know, obviously looking down, and she's got to be very proud of you and proud of your wife and her sister. But go ahead and give—I will let you go a few minutes early. Give out your all your links again, and so everybody knows how to contact you, where they can find you, and how they can help you if they're so inclined.
0: So the main website is GraceShara.com. Shara is S-C-H-A-R-A. And what we're specifically asking for when you go on that website, you'll see there's a pop up screen asking for your name and email that's, that's the primary uh, tool that we're wanting people to do so it would mean a lot to me if everybody listening would simply do that. Then the main website with the research and the Grace's story, and then you'll see tons of pictures and videos of Grace. If you go to that website, plan on spending 20 to 30 minutes because there's a lot there. That's uh, ouramazinggrace.net. And that's where it's my deprogramming podcast is linked there. Uh, The Breaking the Oath documentary is linked there. Uh, the lawsuits linked there interviews with Vera are linked there. So it's, there's so many um, pieces to that website that you've got to spend some time when you go there, but we have the main website. So that I'll call that the main website, our amazing grace.net, the sign up website, grace, Um And, you know, I, I, out of all the things that I would ask for people to do, you know, I, I do want you to pray for our family. We are in this fight. You know, I, not planning on giving up unless I get taken out early. Uh, so if you could do that, it would that would mean a lot to me as well as signing up.
1: Well, you're a profound courage, my friend. Uh, uh, you've been a great guest. People love the interview, and I certainly wish you the best of luck. I know Grace is proud of you, and she's looking on and and, and sharing you on. And uh, as are we, and we hope we can uh, we can finally bring these people to task because this is uh, this is inexcusable what happened to grace and and so many others. And uh, hopefully we can we can expose what happened so that uh, something like this doesn't happen in the future. Thanks. Well,
0: I agree. I agree, Don. I'll share one more quick story about yes, Grace. Yes, please, please, please. It, I, it's the <laughs> it's the single most important thing I can do is to share what my little buddy was like. Mm-hmm. So when she she turned eighteen, uh, we had bought her a car, even though she didn't have her license. We bought her a red convertible because she always just. <sighs> I said what what kind of car would you like gray so well, i want a red convertible with white stripe with two white stripes so we didn't get the white stripes on it but mm-hmm. we had bought her this red convertible and uh you know she never got her license because she died too soon but when oh. she turned 18 she wanted to vote and so um, so she voted in the November of 2020 election so she turned 18 in uh, September of 2020 20. so we went to the department of motor vehicles to get her id so not a driver's license but an id because in wisconsin you need an id to vote so then after we're done getting the id her and i i had set up a appointment with the branch manager at the local credit union where we bank and so we go in there to set up a checking account for grace so we're in, in the, <laughs> the branch manager of, you know, this, she reminded me of this and it just, it's so funny because this is just picture grace. So now we get the checking account set up and the branch manager says to grace, would you like to also have a credit card? And grace said, well, <laughs> well of course. <laughs> and so then she asked the branch manager said to grace, well, what would you like the limit to be? And grace said 30 and so the manager says
1: $30
0: and grace said, no, 30,000. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, grace was so smart. She understood that mom and dad were going to pick up the tab. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, she sounds like quite a character. And again, I, I, our, our hearts go out to you and it sounds like you have a lot of fond memories and you have your faith. And uh, again, I, I'm very uh, honored to talk with you. Scott Shara, everyone support him. Go out to the links. Thanks so much for being with us, Scott. Best of luck to you.
0: Thank you, Don. Very nice to meet you.
1: Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Take care. All right. Goodbye. Okay, okay, Scott Shera, wonderful guy. Profile and courage. Um, Grace Shara, You love the show. Again, I, I, it resonates with me for two counts because my brother and also because my niece and Uh, if you've read my book, Bullyocracy, those are the two people I dedicated Bullyocracy to, my brother and my niece, because, um, I think they're what ignited, uh, my desire to stand up for bullied victims. I was never really bullied, but my brother certainly was. And Denise, especially born in 1968 with Down syndrome, uh, anybody back then was, uh, was bullied constantly. She heard the R word way too many times, uh. And so uh, certainly can relate to his story. So we have like a, a half hour to uh, talk about. I think that's, the, the big story here, uh, and I, I, I heard somebody, I saw somebody in the chat, we're talking about it, was uh, I live in Northern Virginia. So last few days, it's been rather smoky out there. I might have of like a 1970s film on uh, air pollution or smog or something. I I don't understand. I'd like somebody to explain to me how fires in Canada could possibly cause the kind of air, you know, index we're seeing here. And like, I took the dog out, my little uh, uh, diva golden retriever, Riley, that you all know, I took her out yesterday morning and it was was terrible. I said, this is really, so how there's a lot of land in between, you know, virginia and and canada and you know of course they're they don't explain these things well at all and i i don't uh i don't for a minute necessarily believe their explanation about anything but that one makes no sense at all oh white wolf says grace sheridan on october 13th anniversary of the fat that's right white wolf yes that's true didn't think of that um and these things uh there's a synchronicity and all this doug water says he uh he wore masks in the summer because of the wildfires in the state. Yeah, I almost, I, I saw a few people with masks and I almost—I I couldn't say anything to him because I thought, well, okay, maybe that is, you know, I wasn't going to put a mask on, but maybe that gets, uh, is going to get some relief. But uh, just, you know, very curious at this. And, and again, the fires in general, I've been talking about that for a while. And, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene got in. Uh, trouble, you know, because when they first started smearing her, because t- you know, you're talking about Jewish space lasers, and they combined a few things she said and to making it sound as wacky as possible. But her her point made sense, and I had pointed out. Or if you look at some of those uh, fires in California, and go back, you know, I, I, when I was a little kid, I never remember hearing about you know, constant fires in in California and certainly not localized fires and that's what she was talking about and i don't know how she said it exactly but they did twist her words to make her look like a lunatic but uh, it was basically that it, you'll see these things where in california you'll have like a cul-de-sac and one of the houses will burn and the others won't so it doesn't somehow it doesn't spread or or like it'll come from the woods and just hit the one house and it is very localized like that. And it does really make you wonder. And it also makes uh oh, smoke signals. Good to see you, smoke signals. He looks forward to this every week. Well, glad you're here. I, I, I very much thank everyone that's here. And I hope everyone has uh, will check out my new book, Masking the Truth, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World. Uh, still better in terms of the royalty I get to buy it from the Publisher. I know a lot of you told me you did, and I really appreciate that. But it's up on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble now. So I I hope some people start buying it there so I can get the uh, sales ranking up there. And if you, no matter where you bought it, if you can try to rank it, uh, rate it at least, if not review it, very much appreciated. As I've uh, said many times, you know, people are followers. Most people are followers, not uh, leaders. And they judge, they will um, judge in terms of whether they want to read a book or watch a movie or anything. They'll they'll look at the rating on the big sites. Amazon's a big site. So if they look up there and they see, uh, wow, okay, this is, and it's more, it's more the number of ratings as well. Certainly I want you to give it five stars, but the cumulative, the reason why Hidden History, I think continues to do better than all my books is because it has so many more ratings and reviews. It's got, it's over 600, which is really good probably puts it in the top 1% or maybe more, I think, of, of books on Amazon. But, um, you know, when they look at something like *Bureaucracy* that's got, you know, 49 or something, then they're, they're not going to be as inclined. So hopefully we can get as many of those up as we can. It's also on Goodreads now. So um, to try to – I'm sure I'll see some one-star bandits on Goodreads. They, they, they will rate books even before they're out there. And uh, to try to offset that, that would be very much appreciated. So anything you do to help doesn't cost anything. And, and please suggest the book to your libraries. To, even if you don't buy it, you'll be getting me a sale if you suggest it to your libraries. And um, it's probably going to be a tough sell to the libraries but because of the subject matter. But I think it can happen. And I think the more, obviously, the more requests they get, the more likely they are to do it. They say, well, there's a, de- a demand. uh, for this book, then we have to do it. Thank you, Bob. Doug, I appreciate it. Doug Waters said he'll head on to make reviews. Um, so, anyhow, that's the thing. So, if you can – and I'm doing lots of you on with our friend Gar Goldsmith. And I, I wish, again, uh, uh, Tony, I don't know what's going on with Rockfin, but I uh, – it's probably been a month now. I don't, I don't get the Rockfin email notification. I get the YouTube. I don't get the Rockfin notification anymore. And uh, so – when I go to America Unplugged at Rockfin, I don't I don't see my shows there. So I don't see a way to listen to to uh, monitor the chat there. So I'll have to talk to you more about that. So that's why I'm not ignoring you over in, uh, I don't know who's over in Rockfin, but uh, Rhonda Tate or Chris Graves or any of those guys that are over there all the time, Angry Tiger. And as I saw a couple of you, Chris and Angry Tiger, were here in the YouTube chat um, Prisoner Six. Those guys. Those guys are maybe Guard Goldsmith, and I'm going to be on with Guard Goldsmith. Check out his uh, show tonight at 8:30. Uh, we're going to be jumping on and talking about the book. And Guard's very excited. He sent me some very nice comments about the book. Really appreciate it. So, um, please check that out. Let's see what the people are saying in the chat here. Kat Gwede, good to see you. Satellite images are showing that the fire started simultaneously miles apart. This is arson. Oh, I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, it's toxic chemical. Well, I, I, but I again, I and I, I was trying to talk to a neighbor, and it's amazing people just regurgitate what they hear on TV. Well, it's the way the fronts go. And I, I'm sorry, there's a lot of land between Northern Virginia and Canada. I, I don't see how our air could be impacted. I just don't. I, I just that doesn't. And again, that stuff never used to happen. I, 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 I can't conceive of like uh, being a kid. And living in Northern Virginia then and then having the explanation of the news being well these wildfires in Canada you know even even my geographically challenged mind and ge- geography is one of my weak areas you know when I used to when I used to win at trivial pursuit all the time it was always the blue cheese and the green cheese science too but the, I went through the other cheeses real quick and it was always a a, a challenge for me to get the geography cheese so uh Doug, Doug says and it's in a curled event curled the way East Palestine was. And whatever happened to East Palestine, by the way? <laughs> um, Biden, nobody from his administration, I don't think he ever went there. Trump did and, and bought, uh, apparently bought the first responders a bunch of McDonald's. And that's what you would expect him to do. Um, certainly, I, this would, I mean, I I don't think of anything as being a natural event anymore. Uh, so, yeah, of course, I, I said, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, their explanation's None of their explanations for anything make sense. So, certainly, I, uh, I can accept that. And the other big story is that uh, our good friend Donald Trump has been indicted, I think, on seven more counts or something. And this, you know, this is really getting to be ridiculous at this point. Again, I, if Trump had a sympathetic bone in his body, I mean, a, a bone that could, you know, any qualities that could elicit sympathy from people. He would be, you know, he, he's like a dog that, you know, just has been whimpering in the corner because, uh, you know, all these thugs just keep kicking him. I mean, that's the way he is. I mean, it's it, it, he again. He's part of the production. He's Trumpenstein, so he's all in on this. And as I pointed out, all of this could have been avoided if, from the first time they tried it, when this this ridiculous uh, affirmative action hire in New York that uh, is letting all the felons out for violent crimes, but had to go after Trump. For the world's most ridiculous sexual assault allegation ever, where the woman couldn't even remember the year it happened, uh, you know how that again that should have been thrown out of any court. That's why these courts terrify me because they are letting things like this in because of the politics involved. But um, DeSantis, who he keeps calling names, sanctimony and stuff, this he came out instantly and said, "Hey, look, you know this is a bogus prosecution. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna extradite you." So he he offered him safe harbor there, and Trump, being Trumpenstein, I said at the time, if he had an, if he had one sincerity, ounce of sincerity in his body, he'd flip them a giant finger and say, "Yeah, come and get me. Screw you. I, I don't I don't recognize your prosecution. It has no validity. It's absurd. I'm not going to come to some other state to be prosecuted because you know, look at what Christopher Ray's doing at the FBI, and he's in Washington. He's just thumbing his nose. They don't care. The other side doesn't care. You think Bill Clinton or Joe Biden? or uh, Obama's any of these uh, leading Democrats do you think that was uh, that they would pay any attention to some you know uh, right-wing prosecutor decided to uh, to go after them come on I mean that's just absolutely impossible it would never happen Sasha said Don I've been talking to you on, on Rockfin. glad you weren't ignoring me oh okay, <laughs> okay. well thank you Sasha well pl- I'm glad you're over here and uh, please uh, say what you were saying there over here. Cause that, that's the problem is that I can't, I, I can't access it. So I don't know, uh, you know, maybe if you're, so if you're over in, uh, if you're there in Rockfin, please, I'd love to see, uh, some of the regulars until we can get this figured out. This is where, and Rumble, I know, I, I don't know if any, but one time I was able to check Rumble, there was nothing going on over there. So, uh, hopefully we'll get that started at some time too, but I appreciate you, uh, watching Sashay, and uh, again, whatever questions or comments you have, you, you know, certainly, I definitely was not ignoring. Kat Goy says, the water rebound in East Palestine has been very bad. And they haven't, Yeah, founding dead Well, that was right from the beginning, I'm as sure. As, and that was, how many months ago was that? And, and then the story just kind of stopped. They have been a lot more illnesses among pets and livestock. People. It certainly looked like it. And uh, so I'm sure it hasn't got better. But those are the kind of things that make people uh, really skeptical about any of these stories. Because it looks like a terrible environmental crisis. No environmentalist, no climate change activist is interested in going there. Nobody cares. And I would really like to see RFK Jr. He that would have been a nice one for him to step up on because he does have an environmental background. He could have differentiated himself from the phonies like Greta Thunberg and Al Gore. Uh, but he hasn't, to my knowledge. Instead, Donald Trump is left to fill the void and he goes in the is McDonald's for the masses. <laughs> that's that's our only hope, I guess. Um cat says Trump is military towards 37 counts, including us. See, I mean this again. Well, I, I, I people kind of light me on what this is, but again, this I'm sorry. Again, Trump is a joke, he's an actor, but the idea that this guy is the most prosecutable president we've ever had, I mean, again, just go back, you don't have to go back that far. Let's go back to to, to Bill Clinton. I mean, we, we could go LBJ and, the, you know, the way he sacrificed the men of the USS Liberty, whatever, the um, uh, the Gulf of Tonkin, PSYOP that we know is a PSYOP now. But, you know, you look at something like Clinton, just just the things that happened there. Um, Doug Water says he thinks the RFK Jr. did make a trip. Okay, well, I apologize if that's true. Um, Kat Goy says he ridiculously held classified documents in the photo. Yeah. I, but the problem is, uh, Kat, is that uh, Biden was accused of the exact same thing. And again, this is, if this happened, again, it's part, it's part, it's part of the Trumpet side app, I'm sure, you know, he was probably uh, told to do this, but the idea that this is some kind of a crime worth prosecution, when you, again, you go back to Bill Clinton, just on Waco alone, where they murdered uh, women and children primarily, American citizens in their home that they you know, slandered by continually calling it a compound. They demonized them for being Branch Davidians, which is ironic because you know uh, 30 years later, they would become uh, Branch COVIDians, as we call them, with the ridiculous believers in the COVID sire. But if that wasn't a prosecutable trial, that was an impeachable offense, what would ever be, not to mention all the other things that happened there the, the, the lies about Oklahoma City, the Vince Foster cover up, and of course the assassination of JFK Jr. So you had those things. You have uh, Obama, who not only assassinated Anwar al Hawabi, an American citizen who had not even been charged with a crime, assassinated him with a drone, but bragged about it, spiked the football publicly. He didn't care. Yeah, we do. And I'm good at killing. He jokes about I'm good at killing. And then he assassinated the man's 16-year-old son the next month for good measure. Way more serious than anything Trump is alleged to have done. Uh, so these things happening, Bush lying about weapons of mass destruction, uh, There, there's so many of these awful people we've had. And Joe Biden, just his dealings with the Ukraine, they're way more serious. I, I wrote so many stories on American Free Press between him and his son. And his son's laptop, where apparently, at least they said in the beginning, he was raping a 10-year-old Chinese girl on it. I don't know what happened to that. And uh, his 14-year-old niece was half naked and doing inappropriate things with him. Those are pretty serious charges. But, uh, again, they're still talking about Trump saying grab him by the pussy. So, I, I, again, I'm the last one to defend him. But And this is part of the PSYOP, I know, that they're unfairly picking on, but they really are. Um well, it, it has to be part of the Exactly, Kat. Whatever he had, it is ridiculous. And whatever he had, and, but I don't know what difference between that and whatever Biden had, because they seem to have certainly just thrown Biden's declassified uh, classified material down the memory hole. Yes, sir. Doug Waters and Sandy Berger famously carried ducks out of the National Army. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that, that just, and so the idea, again, I'm not, I'm never going to, uh, you know, defend Trump as an actor. That's what he is. Sam's Bowie's tree said, it's just this man, nonstop persecution trap, no matter what you think of. Exactly. And that's and that I think that's part of the production again. And he's he's meant to be just like a lesser degree, Alex Jones and maybe Tucker Carlson down the road where these are symbols. And they're letting, you know, the people that are perceived to be opposed to us and the leaders of the opposition, Trump, Alex Jones, maybe Tucker Carlson. uh, We're just going to continually prosecute them. For the most ridiculous things, I mean, in Alex Jones's case, he's being prosecuted over and over again for the same charge, which basically amounts to doubting and asking questions about a widely reported event. And they translate, they turn that and twisted it in an Orwellian way into harassing the parents. And as I point out many times, if that's harassing the parents, then uh, as, as a JFK assassination researcher for a long time, uh, you know, I and all the other researchers could be charged basically with harassing the Kennedy family. Uh, same thing with 9/11. I mean, we're, why, the 9/11 victims—they, you know, remember the firefighters and the way they've acted about when people have asked questions about it. Are, are you harassing the family, especially the people that say there were no planes or there weren't that kind? Of, and there are people out there that do that. It opens the door to those kinds of ridiculous lawsuits. And uh, in the case of Trump, it just—it just ensures that you will never have another candidate that will say the kind of things and raise the kind of issues that he did, even though he did nothing about them. His rhetoric was, uh, you know, it was would really opened up the, the political process. LB says, I swear they do this just to keep Trump in people's minds. It's got to be part of the Trump session. It is LB, definitely. He was kind of fading out of the headlines Now, yeah, I mean, this it's the idea. What is it? I mean, maybe they are going to actually at least pretend to put him in prison. Maybe they're going to give uh, the other side, you know, like so many of us, would love to see Hillary Clinton paraded in an orange jumpsuit. But again, it's like they have to send the message that that side has to win. You can't win no matter what. Trump represents us, which is, you know, we know he's not us, but symbolically he represents us. And they're continually beating on him and they're beating on us. By the same thing with Alex Jones to a lesser degree. But in Trump's case, the idea that, uh, that this guy is the most corrupt president in history is ridiculous. He's not, even when they talk about, you could say, okay, his, his morality, and he's had three supermodel wives and he trains them every 20 years. And he has been accused of, uh, maybe, underage rape. I, it's unclear on that. although that hasn't talked about much, but just compare him to Bill Clinton or George Bush, or uh, even Ronald Reagan. All those people were accused of actual rape, much more serious crime than, uh, classified documents. But, uh, there's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's really sad to see. And of course, Trump is no one, Sam Bodhistree said, there's no justice. Uh, and he had his, he has the most ridiculous legal team imaginable. He has, he has this young woman now, I can't remember her name, but uh, she had an appearance on Fox News where she was, again, just typically horrific performance that all his attorneys give. Trump hires nothing but the, only the worst lawyers. And uh, so she was just blasted, even including my a- an actor. I used to like John Cusack where, uh, cause she said something, I'm ashamed to be a lawyer. I can't believe I'm ashamed to be a lawyer. So, and like all these people chumped and said, yeah, we're ashamed you're a lawyer too. You know, she opened the door and cuting John Cusack, who I used to like as an actor, but he's turned into a real ass because of Trump derangement syndrome. And he's not really bro- very well educated either. Cause he used the wrong, he, he, he said basically, yeah, you're uh, what, what did he say? So we can't believe you're a lawyer either. And he used the wrong form of your Y-O-U-R, which you see on a lot of forums and people make fun of. Them. Well, this guy's supposed to be a big time actor. He should know to use the proper form Y-O-U apostrophe R-E there. But, uh, you know, when you, when you see that, <laughs> it kind of, um, I don't know, it makes it hard to watch any of these movies folks, when you know what these people believe. And once Trump came to office, boy, he, uh, if you didn't know what their beliefs were before, you know now, and so that's um, we'll probably be talking about that maybe on America Unplugged tomorrow. But it's just it's it's just really and and then you look at RFK Junior., who I love, and I'm sure Cat may chime in on this, but um, there's so much to like about him, but very disappointing. The other when the the other day he uh, he retweeted some of Roger Waters' tweets, uh, anti-Israel tweets. Roger Waters, very uh, former uh, frontman for Pink Floyd. Um, Very strong anti-Israel sentiments, pro-Palestinian stuff, and and RFK Jr. retweets. Well, he obviously caught hell from somebody quickly, so he immediately, uh, you know, is is questioned about it and stands by, stands strong for Israel, makes these and then goes on to a he goes and goes to some march or something where he's uh, waving the Israeli flag at at a pro-Israel flag. So I mean, I, I had a sense that that doesn't even require much courage these days. The the woke left, the squad. Those people are constantly, They've criticized. They're allowed to talk about Palestinian rights. So I I don't know. The fact that he that he still felt the name it felt the need to count uh, to Israel is just you know very disappointing to say the least. Ob says he always, Trump always gets a major boost in support and fundraising, a ton of money. Yeah, well apparently that's all he wants to do, and apparently he's already grifting for more money too. Sam Bodistree says screw Cusack. He used to blow his nose out on on, on Coke and on cocaine. So yeah, he's you know, the guy's. You know, obviously got issues. And you know, it's. Um, I liked some of his movies. I thought he was a pretty good actor. I thought his sister was even you know very interesting. You know, John Cusack was a, could really play us. If you saw the movie Arlington Road, it was a real good movie. She plays a nice psych, psycho character in that, and she's uh, she's good at it. Maybe that's uh, maybe there's a reason why both of them were good at it. I don't know. But again these these again these things are. Uh, when you, when you watch the theatrical show going on and you realize, look what the, I mean, what are the likelihood? Now, RFK Jr. did go uh, like two in the morning and he filmed uh, live from there. And I was talking about the border. He can't move. So I don't know if he's actually going to talk out against immigration. Now, that'll be something different for him. Uh Jody Taylor says she's heard RFK was a Russian get caught. I hope not. I don't, I don't know. He did support Hillary Clinton three times. I hope not. Who knows? I don't, there's, <laughs> you know, that's, um, Doug water says he likes sure thing. 1985. Yeah. He made a lot of good movies, but, um, I don't, I, I, hope that's not the case. And he certainly, when I had, if you guys watched Sherry Tenpenny on my show last week, I, uh, I asked her cause she knows him. And I said, uh, Can you, if you talk to him, you know he he really should address that awful quote he had about climate change. You know, that saying that the climate change deniers should be uh, thrown in jail—that's something horrible to leave out on the record. I I can't believe he still believes that, and he should, uh, you know, you know, disavow that. Uh, She seemed to think that that would be a good idea. So that's the kind of thing he needs to do. But if he's he's coming, and again, I'm sure he's catching a lot of pressure because he has been saying a lot of really good stuff. And, uh, he's been very bold. I mean, hell, he's walking around saying the CIA killed his, his father and his uncle. I never thought I'd see a presidential candidate doing that. And, um, it's nice to see you here, Jody. It's my pleasure to bring him on. I, I'm Jody Taylor recognized from Facebook. Uh, it's great to see people that I re- names. I recognize from social media coming on the show and watching the show. I, I very much appreciate it. And again, if you're over in the Rockfin chat, uh, not ignoring you, you know, I guess maybe I, I've been criticized about monitoring the uh, the chat on my shows to a fault. So, you know, it's not I'm <laughs> it's certainly uh, not not uh, ignoring you, but I uh, I don't seem to be able to bring it up anymore. I, we have to try to fix that. John Lawler says he was wild in the 80s, were you? Uh, I was, too, John. <laughs> well, John, I was, too. Hi, Fidelity, Sam Bodistray. Yes, that was. Yep that was a good one that was about the uh the record shop right yeah that's good but, um, so it's um so here you know here we're sitting here so basically those are those are the two main stories that caught my eye and again obviously the main thing is my uh is my book and trying to promote it and hoping it does well and be interesting to see when i get my first royalty statement how many people bought it? And, um, you know, I do, I pre- lots of people have told me that. So I really appreciate it. Deborah Wheeler says all the best, everyone. Thank you, Donald. Big hug to Riley. I, I will be sure to give my diva golden retriever a hug I, I, if she lets me. You know, she's uh, <laughs> that's the thing about Riley. She's uh, she combines a uh, clinginess with aloofness. She, uh, you know, she'll whine and cry and kind of come up to you, but she's, she kind of goes in a way where you really can't snuggle up to her too much. And she gets all upset. Like if you try to cuddle up next to her, she gets, you know, I I don't know. She's very, they say she's got doggy autism. I think she does. And she's also, uh, I said, she's got a lot of diva and I call her my supermodel because she really is beautiful. Uh, Kat Goy says, expect his wife being part of Hollywood is threatened and a large percentage of Democratic candidates are funded through Jewish I, I, Yeah, There's no question. I mean, I'm sure he's catching pressure from those people. Phil Fellows, good to see you here. Phil, uh, very supportive. He lived in the Haight-Ashbury in the 80s. Wow, you were right in, right in the center of it, huh? But uh, did you, did you meet Ken Kesey and the uh, people who wanted to put LSD in the water back then and lots of crazy people running around back then. But... Um, so that's, uh, let me see what Cat Coit is. I know Cat is a big supporter of RFK Jr., and I am too, in a way. But I think it's a fair thing to put in Robert Kennedy's face, what makes you back then? Yeah, what made you back then? Remember, your uncle stood up to Israel's... Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, because it's... If he's trying to run as a Democrat, it's actually good political strategy for him, because he's already going to have a certain number of people on the right, especially if Trump flames out, which I think he will. I think RFK Jr. will get a lot of his support. And uh, if I was advising, them, I'd say, look, you know, this is this is not that controversial of a move. And we, we know about Jewish influence. We know about the Israeli power. But you've got people on, on the on the left now, the woke left, especially that are in solidarity with the Palestinians. And it's, it's basically a white and non-white thing. That's why it's you're able to. You're not going to lose that much support doing that. You might lose some funding. But how much funding do you need? man? you're a Kennedy. I mean, you, you'll have plenty of money. Um. So I agree with you, and that's something that he should, and uh, I hope Dennis Kucinich, although I'm, I don't know how it's spoken. Dennis Kucinich was about Israel. Dennis Kucinich is his campaign manager. when he did that, I said, well, that's a great move because that's you know, one, of my, one of my favorites it was Dennis Kucinich. I'd you know, probably rather see Cynthia McKinney, but I don't know. I think Cynthia McKinney might be too, uh, too out there for. Her. I got to get Cynthia McKinney back on the show. She's so great.' She's, you know, she is a friend. Uh, and she actually asked me about a new publisher. I don't know if it's possible. He might be publishing her book, but talk about shadow band. I mean, I, I, I am very shadow band, but uh, Cynthia McKinney was a former member of Congress and she just, boy, she's really been suppressed. Michael McFerrin. I, that's a new name. She says, I catch Donald Jeffries on rents. Oh, I'm glad you came to my show. I, I hear from so many people that, uh, that watch me on rents. And I tell them I have my own show too, please um Doug Waters said he should run with Cynthia I would love to see it. I think I told that story before right uh I suggested uh Cynthia McKinney was interested in being Donald Trump's running mate and I actually suggested it to you can probably guess who some some connection I have with Trump back then and uh, just shot it down no no there's no way over my death they, they would not hear anything. and now I thought RFK Jr was interesting where he uh, was asked about it uh, connection, like uh, running with Donald Trump. And he just, he, he again, he shouldn't leave, the, he shouldn't shoot anything down and just say, well, you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, right now I'm concentrating being president, but he said, he just said, no, no, no. John Law and little John, man, I, I, John, he's the only one that noticed my shirts. Thank you, John. I, I, really appreciate that. Um, he's, I can always count on him to, to give a shout out to my shirt. So I appreciate that, John. Doug Waters said he first heard about me through rents too. I had to, you know, Rents is, you know, Rents has been very good for me. People, I, I get lots of criticism sometimes at people don't that don't like him. I don't, yeah, plenty so people don't like people who are successful, but he has a obviously has a really big audience because I'm hearing from people all the time that I, you know, I first learned about you on Rents. So and he lets me say whatever I want to say. You know, I mean, there's. He, he never tells me it, 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 to say, I mean, I, I, I agree with him on most things, but, uh, you know, when I go on there, I say, that's what it is there with people. Somebody's talking about coast to coast. I've been on coast to coast, maybe a dozen times. Uh, I've I talked about this controversial stuff. Probably no one has talked about anything more controversial on there than I have. And I'm hoping to get on there with my COVID book. We'll see. I don't know if that'll happen. That'll probably be the most controversial one. Sam Bodishree said he talked to Cynthia in private a few times. She's like, she is great. She's my favorite. That's, uh, you know, She'd—I'd vote for her over any other politician. <laughs> and Doug Watson, I'm giving Robert Wagner right a <laughs> uh, Robert Wagner. You know, and of course, I've had Lana Wood on my show uh, a couple times. who's uh Natalie Wood's uh, sister, and you know, she's pretty much accused him of killing Natalie. Who was one of all-time favorites, but I gotta say, I—I'm I prejudiced in there. I always loved Robert Wagner. I—I I I thought he was cool, and he had, you know as a young guy, you know, coming up as a kid and then a teenager, he had three of the best, hottest chicks, <laughs> girlfriends-wise. I, if I had gone out to Hollywood, I don't know if I could have come up with a top three that I would have rather been with than Natalie Wood, Jill St. John, and Stephanie Powers. So the man has great taste in women. And I, I you know, I just can't see... Uh, but something, her death was, they definitely lied about it. She did not die accidentally. Something happened to her. Phil Fellows said, "Did you know John Judge? Now? No, no, I had, you know, we had communicated a few times, but uh, I, I, I'm sure we would have been great friends. I've been, people have told me that, you know, I remind them of him very much. And uh, he, I admire his work. And I know Cynthia McKinney loved it. In fact, that's what she told me. She's, I think she's one of the first ones that told me, you know, I'm reminded of John Judge when I you know, read you. And uh, so, yeah, it's a shame. He died way too soon. He was one of the, uh, one of the real good ones in the JFK assassination research and so much more too, but he came out of that world. So uh, I can't say that I did, but I obviously uh, know of him, respect his work very much. Tony's out there. If you want to come on for the last minute, Tony, come on, jump on in if you want to know Tony. There he is.
0: Been hanging in the background. Great show, Don, as always.
1: Well, that was great. And I, I don't know what we can do about the Rockfin thing, but I something's going because I can't I don't, I don't get the emails anymore. And I do get them for America Unplugged. So something so I can monitor for that. But I, I don't know what it is about my show. I don't know if we can look into that. But uh, it it sometimes does that same thing to my show, even though it's on the
0: same stream. Uh, hard hard to say why, Donna. I mean, we could probably find out from Rockfin. But yeah, it's you're live right now.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I said. So I said, I, you know, the people over there, please, you guys over there, I'm not ignoring you, but, uh, and you know, come to YouTube and needless to say, Tony, this show has to get taken down right away because the entire entire, <laughs> entire thing was about hospitals killing people.
0: I'm going to so, download it as yeah. soon as we're done here and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure it's taken down.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so we'll talk, we like, kind of give a preliminary thing of what we might talk about on American plug tomorrow. Cause obviously with uh, Trump and, uh, being indicted uh, 37 more times. <laughs> it's like I think they're just trying to, you think maybe they're going to try to set the world record for trying to have the most indictments ever against anybody for Trump. <laughs> 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 he's going to enter the Guinness book finally he's going to be number one in something, most indictments ever against the president. Does winning. It,
0: it, does one indictment cancel out the other? Is it
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> some crazy. kind of
0: mathematical phenomenon maybe? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Anyway, well, so we come to the end. So t- thanks, Tony, so much. And uh, thanks to my guest, Scott Shearer. Thanks to everybody in the uh, chat room. You make the show. You make the show. Thanks for everybody listening out there. And again, check out my book, Masking the Truth, How COVID-19 Destroyed Civil Liberties and Shut Down the World. Really appreciate all the support. We'll talk to you next week at the same time. Thanks, everybody, for listening to iProtest.